There isn't anything like feeling the Holy Ghost and worshiping God. And, um, uh, and the front line or whatever you call the worship team uh, did a great job. And uh, the young lady that led them, whoever that is, she did a great job. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. I know one thing, if you got somebody can sing like that and play the piano like that and then cook like that, man, that's a, that's a treasure. Amen. And, um, besides the more important things of spiritual leadership, good to be with, uh, brother Howell again. Uh, last time we were with him was in, uh, Porter, Texas. And, uh, just one of the most gracious men. I love his spirit. Now, his son may have seen him at times when he wasn't so gracious, but he deserved it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He said, son, today you don't need grace. Today you need judgment. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. But what a Gracious man, we love you, Brother Howland. Good to be with you. Amen. And he and I were privileged uh, at the kindness of your pastor to have a little lunch yesterday. Some little restaurant out in the water. And uh, <clears throat> we had a great time. Great time. Good to be with all of you. And uh, we were here with the quartet, I don't know, it's some time back, time all gets blurry to me, but, and uh, we enjoyed it so much. Um, but it's especially good today to be with uh, Brother and Sister Townley also, your pastor and his wife, and um, if I lived in Jennings, this is where I would go to church. So if you're a guest here today, I'm a guest, you're a guest. So join us, we're you know, we're outsiders, so, but, but I won't tell you, you're here and I'm not, so you go to church here. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. And uh, uh, your pastor and his wife uh, are young. They've just been around a few decades. <laughs> Amen. But uh, um, they're known uh, far beyond the walls of this church and the parameters of this city and uh, are a tremendous blessing to the work of God. Their ministry is uh, first here, but you're blessed to have somebody whose ministry is bigger than here. It's here first, but it overflows out to the rest of us in a tremendously powerful way. And my little prediction as a man of many decades would be um, that you ain't seen nothing yet. Amen. Amen. 
Yes, sir. And, and uh, the ministry of Sister Townley has already made a great impact, but it's going to make a much greater impact as time goes on. And y'all are going to be recipients of that in all kinds of ways. Amen. Praise God. And um, as the church grows and the blessings of God fall upon us, there is a rhythm that, that, that sets up. Now, I'm trying to stay on track. I got so many things I want to talk about that if you hadn't fasted a while, maybe you ought to fast and we'll just go two or three hours. <laughs> hey, man. We're not going to go too far beyond that because I'll be fasting too, and that's about it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. But um, there is a, oh, Lord, I'm just, I want to say this, but then it opens up so many other things that that's not on all the other things I want to say. But there is a rhythm to things. And a lot of churches live their, their they live for years. They live their, some of them their whole existence, and they never even know about rhythm. And they're saved. They love God. But the uh, whole time, they're just clunky. It just never, it never hits that rhythm that builds greatness. And, and, um, and so that, that rhythm uh, has to do with uh, you and your preacher. That rhythm is seen everywhere in the universe. It's seen in the ebb and flow of the ocean. Now, I don't want to count this as preaching yet. This is testifying. And um, so when you, when you get your clock out to see how long I preach, this doesn't count. Okay, amen. So, um, uh, but the ocean ebbs and the ocean flows. And the ocean ebbs and the ocean flows. And the seasons they spring. There's a reason spring is called spring because everything springs forth. And there's a reason fall is called fall because the leaves fall and everything else falls and the sap falls and everything falls back. And so there's this rhythm that God told Noah that there's going to be that rhythm. There's going to be times and seasons, harvest and planting forever. And so uh, there's also rhythm in a church. And uh, you can tell whether there's a rhythm there when you're just there a little while. And uh, it won't be there if the preacher don't know what he's doing. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> and um, um, But that rhythm has to do with, um, and if you come into a place, you have to get in that rhythm. Um, and uh, it has to do with um, an e the ebb and flow and all has to do with masculine and feminine and are you with me? And masculine is assertive and feminine is receptive. Masculine is put it out there. Feminine is surrender and embrace it and 
even in our worship, it's, it's uh, God, give me this. I got to have this. Now, we've all got masculine and feminine in us, every one of us. Whether you're normal depends on how much of each you got. Amen. (laughs) If you're a man, don't get too much feminine. Amen. And if you're a woman, don't get too much masculine. We all, you know, it's all part of life. And, um, and so the preacher is giving out, but, but a church that doesn't know how to receive, uh, it just goes out there and falls down. And I tell students all the time, I say, you, if, if you think your vertical anointing from heaven is enough, you got another thought coming. There's a, there's a horizontal anointing. Amen. And if you're going to be successful in preaching to people, you have to respect them. And you have to have a right attitude in your heart towards them. Whether you say it or not, it will come out. And you have to, in one way, you have to bow before them and say, I want to help you, but I can't force this on you. That's assault. I've been around a lot of preachers that assault congregations. They think it's smart to do that. But it's really abuse. And so, but to really bless people, a preacher has to say, I want to, I want to bless you today. Will you, will you, will you let me bless you today? And, uh, and a congregation that does that, then when that preacher is preaching, and then that congregation throws it back and says, Amen. Amen. And that's a wave coming back that sets up a rhythm between the preacher and the people. Uh, in a Pentecostal church, now you may preach at Baptist church with no response, but the anointing is not there like we're talking about anyway. But in Pentecostal church, you gotta have you gotta have response. Amen. You gotta have the rhythm flow. You know what I mean. Amen. Hallelujah. And, um, and you and I both over the years have seen times when the rhythm of the anointing of God gets so strong that people will get out of their pews and stagger the altar like they've been shot with a 30 out six and fall on that altar and die to sin and open their life to God. Oh, are you glad for the anointing and for working together this morning? Let's praise him again. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. And so, and so, you know, you walk in a place, and, and I'm an old man. I've been preaching for many decades, and, and it doesn't take very long to figure out, you know, is, it, is this, is this going to be one of those places you preach where you got to just, you got to, you just got to stand on your head to even get them to listen or or is this going to be one of those places where the word of God can flow freely? And so I walked in here this morning and, and, uh, and turned on the calculator and it picked up all the signals and man, I'm just so happy to be here. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And not in one of those other churches in town where they don't, you know, I don't know. 
Man, I'm glad to be here. Yes, Amen. sir. Amen. 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 I never even been to those churches. I don't know nothing about them. So. I do about this one, though, and I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, and uh, of course, one of the reasons I've never been to them, I've never been invited. <laughs> you know, you don't get invited everywhere. If you stand for anything, you don't get invited a lot of places. But I'm glad to be here today and be with all of you. What a, what a wonderful thing it is. And uh, Brother, Townley, uh, Brother Townley took me around town and, uh, to see the town with Townley. And uh, it was uh, uh, not only interesting, but it was so interesting when I drove over there by that high school. Amen. Oh, yes. And uh, uh, to see the progress and see what God is doing in Jennings and see, uh, because I know how that just oozes out into the whole area if you get a revival church going and... And um, so this is a, a very exciting thing. However, to have that kind of revival, uh, there's just a lot to it. And you and I know that while we love to sit down and eat lunch and while we all work on jobs and we have to iron our clothes and all the minutia of life and brush your teeth, uh, I hope you did, and, and, um, and all of this stuff that we do, in life, we know that when it comes to spiritual things, such as you and I are involved in, in um, having revival and in making the church a place of power, and that brings life and uh, liberty and freedom into a city, into a community, we know that there's a lot of interplay with uh, things that are not concrete. They are. They are abstract. They're invisible. There's things. There's, it's a spirit world, and we know that that's a real thing. And um, everybody has, everybody that's doing God's work is aware of that. And you know that um, this is one of the areas in which prayer is so important because uh, prayer is a, is a weapon, and uh, reading the Word of God is a weapon. Can you say, man? And and these are all things that are uh, important to us because we know that in ways that are real, we are in spiritual warfare. And while we want the church to grow, the devil don't want the church to go. And uh, he's going to do everything he can to manipulate things and suppress the church and keep it from becoming uh, what it's supposed to be. Uh, but in listening to uh, some of the history and asking a whole lot of questions before we got to this service today and trying to get a, uh, because I'm just interested in people and I'm interested in, in every church. I'm just, uh, God's people. There's nothing like God's people. Yeah. Amen. Are you glad to be part of God's people? Yeah. Amen. There's nothing like God's people. And, and so um, uh, Brother uh, Townley told me about some of the good things that have happened and some of, and the, and the progress over the years and, a lot of things conspire and constellate and come together to bring us to this place today where the church is. And uh, probably uh, on the precipice of re 
viable on a bigger scale like it perhaps has never been. All of the work that's been done through the years brings it to the point that we're at today and where people are not only aware of the church, but, um, but the draw of the Spirit, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men. The draw of the Spirit is here, and it's drawing people to the church, and we want to see the church grow. Can you say amen? We want to see people saved. Can you say amen? And to do that, we have to break strongholds. Can you say amen? Amen. And God's empowered us to do it. Can you say amen? Amen. In Jesus' name. And uh, there's no generation gap in this. There's no, uh, there's no young and old. There's no uh, gender fights. There's no, in the church of God, when it's really in its right shape, there's no uh, prejudice. There's no racial issues. There's no group, one group thinking they're better than another group. Uh, you got to get, if you're going to have real revival, you got to get past all that. Amen, amen, amen. And uh, to do that is a deal. Now, there's a lot of things I could talk about today, and I wouldn't know much about it, but I know about what I'm talking about right now. Um, and, and, and it's a deal. And there's, there's a lot of things going on. There's, there's weird stuff. Uh, there's giants. There's you guys back here have um, uh, the superstitious side of Catholicism. You have all of the demonic power of the that associates with uh, what's called Mardi Gras you have um, you have all of the stuff that goes on that it has spiritual connotations behind it uh, that would uh, attempt to subvert revival and um, and in the midst of all of that in the midst of all of that God's going to have a church amen God's going to have a church. And so there's a lot of, uh, you got to kind of get used to the fact that every once in a while something strange takes place. Something, we actually live in a strange world. This world we're living in is a strange world. I'm going to read some scripture here in a minute, so don't, you're waiting for my text. It's coming. It's just coming a little later. And um, it's a strange world that, that we live in. Even the earth is strange, you know. We get to thinking, we know our little streets here, but as you know from some of the storms that have come through, it doesn't take long to rearrange all that. And um, I don't know, I was reading a while back that some, I mean, just stuff I don't get at all. I don't understand in this world we're living in, it's a, it's a different place than what we think it is. But I was reading here a while back, and, and um, they were doing some, uh, archaeological digging at, I don't remember if it's the South Pole or the North, North Pole, is all ice and snow. And uh, they got to digging on an island up there, and they dug down in this island, and uh, I mean, it's like frozen, I don't know how many feet deep, and maybe all the way through, I don't know. And um, they got to digging down, and they found tens of thousands of monkey bones. I don't know there's any monkeys at the North or South Pole. I never seen no monkeys in no National Geographic pictures or nothing. Uh, in fact, there isn't no monkeys there, but this is the world we live in that there was at one time. So I'm talking about, I'm talking about getting used to the strange side of things. There's, there's things that we don't fully, um, uh, we don't fully get. 
I, I can't explain it all. I just I can just tell you that when I look in this Bible and I start reading it, I see things in here that uh, that are so strange. But I have to be able to walk through all of that to have revival and to get to what God wants me to have. And um, and um, I was just looking here uh, during worship. I had this come to my mind, and I was just looking here in the book of Deuteronomy and discovered some of the things that it had to say that I'm sure that you've read. Uh, and it goes along with, uh, well, what is that? Numbers uh, 13, I think it is, or 16, one of the two that tells about the spies going into the land, the 12 spies that God uh, had Moses pick out and, and uh, from every tribe, and they went in. And, and you know the story, how uh, 10 of them came back and said, uh, we're like grasshoppers before this enemy that we're facing. We're like grasshoppers. We don't have a chance. And uh, sometimes that's how we feel. Amen? Right. And um, uh, I know I've felt that way lots of times. And, uh, and only two came back and said that we can do this, Caleb and Joshua. They came back and said we can do it. But the others said, um, I mean, we're just like grasshoppers. And they said they got... I mean, they came back. They said Every, everything's big there. Yeah. And they came back. I mean, there were two men carrying a bunch of grapes. Now, I live in grape country, and I was raised cutting grapes. That's how I paid for them. From the time I was 12 years old, that's how I paid for my school clothes, uh, working out in the field. So I know about that. Now, some a bunch of you here born with a silver spoon in your mouth, you don't know nothing about working outside. But, but you know, but, but some of us weren't born with a silver spoon in our mouth. Amen. We was lucky to get a plastic spoon. But anyway, uh, uh, so um, what was I talking about? You're going to have to keep track of where I'm at so when I get off, you can get me back on. All right? So you got notebooks. That'll, that'll help us. So where was I? Grapes. Grapes, yeah. Carrying them grapes, yeah. Amen. And so when they, when they got ready to, to eat a grape, I mean, they didn't... They, you know, guy picked up a grape. He said, let's eat this grape. And, uh, well, I don't know if they were that big or not. But they, uh, I mean, it was like bowling balls. But I don't bowl, so I don't know much about that either. Uh, uh, but anyway, um, and if you do, you shouldn't. But anyway, um, uh, the, uh, uh, everything, everything was big. And, you know, when Caleb said, give me this mountain, that mountain was the mountain of a giant. A lot of people don't know that. That mountain was a mountain of a giant. So when he rang that doorbell or knocked on that gate, uh, he knocked on the lower three feet of a 25-foot high gate probably. And the guy that came down to meet him, I mean, was a really big fellow. And, and the guy said, what do you want, Pipsqueak? And, and, and Caleb said, well, I want, I'm going to take over your mansion here. And, uh, and the guy laughed, roared laughing, and Caleb said, I'll be back in a few days. Well, it was 40 years before he got back, but, uh, but he did get back, right. knocked on that door again. And when he knocked on that door, come back 40 years later, he said, I'm back. That's awesome. And uh, he said, my hair's a little uh, more gray, and yours a little more gray there too, bub. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and he said, I'm taking, I'm taking this place over. Now pack your grip and get out of here. Grip's an old word for luggage. Pack your luggage. <laughs> oh, my Lord. 
Hey, I'm having so much fun being here today. I, I, I hope you're going to enjoy this. <laughs> Hallelujah. Some of you look at him and say, not only is the earth weird, he's weird. But hey, so are you. We're all weird. But anyway, praise God. God's good. Amen. <laughs> Amen, amen, amen. And so I got to looking at how big these people were uh, that, that God gave the land to Israel, but they had to take this land, and these people were big. And I want to I prove it to you here, but um, I mean, I don't want to bore you by reading the Bible, you know. Uh, but Deuteronomy chapter 2, God told uh, Moses, he said, you've come past this mountain long enough. That's a pretty good thing to preach. Y'all yeah. yeah. been in this building long enough. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. All right. And, um, and uh, the Lord said, you know, I got some notes here. I can't read them. Oh, yeah, 40-foot alligators. I'll have to preach about that another time. <laughs> Do you know there used to be 40-foot long alligators on the earth? 40 foot long. How wide is this building? Uh, I think it's 31. Okay, so they, you couldn't get one of them in here. He'd have to bite his way out the other side. 40 foot alligators, the longer than this. They, they found the bones of them. They used to be here. I don't know. Don't ask me. I'm just telling you what they found. Used to be eels in the ocean over 120 feet long. It's a weird world. It's a weird world we're in. When the dinosaurs live, and I want to tell you, this idea that all this oil in Louisiana came from dinosaurs, Diane, I'm not sure I buy that. I'm not sure. There's oil in California. There's oil in North Dakota. The governor of Montana said there's enough oil here to give America all it needs for 400 years just in Montana. There's oil in Louisiana. There's oil in Mississippi. There's oil in, uh, there's oil in Alaska. There's oil in, I'm going to tell you that they would have had to have dinosaurs stacked 50 feet high to get enough, oh, squeeze enough grease out of them to make oil. So I don't know about all that. But I am just telling you, it's weird. It's a weird world we're living in, folks. Amen. Don't get too comfortable. The earth's liable to open up tomorrow. I mean. <laughs> Amen. Let me read this to you in Deuteronomy chapter 2. And if you've got your Bible, you're welcome to go along with me. But um, uh, I'm in chapter 2 and um, verse 9. Just, just, just listen to this. And the Lord said unto me, to, to Moses, distress not the Moabites, neither contend with them in battle, for I will not give thee of their land for a possession, because I have given Ar unto the children of Lot for a possession. Verse 10. The Emim dwelt therein in times past, a people great and many and tall as the Anakim. Okay? So... When you read the Bible, when you read about the sons of Anak, the Anakim, uh, they were all giants. And so the Emims were like the Anakims, more giants. Verse 11, which also were accounted giants as the Anakim, but the Moabites called them Emim. Verse 12, the Horem also dwelt in Seir before time, but the children of Esau succeeded them. Okay? And then skip down to verse 19. 
And when thou comest nigh over against the children of Ammon, distress them not, nor meddle with them, for I will not give thee of the land of the children of Ammon any possession, because I have given it unto the children of Lot for a possession, that that also was accounted a land of giants. Giants dwelt therein in old time. Hmm. When was old time? Dwelt there in old time. And the Ammonites call them Zamzumim. So you've got the Emim and the Anakim and the Horim and the Zamzumim. Verse 21 says, They were a people great and many and tall as the Anakim, but the Lord destroyed them from before them, and they succeeded them and dwelt in their stead, uh, as he did to the children of Esau, which dwelt in Seir when he destroyed the Horim before them, and Verse 23, and the Avim, which dwelt in Hazarim, even unto Asa, the Kaphtorim, which came forth out of Kaphtor, destroyed him and dwelt in... Okay, so all of these are giants. The Emim and the Anakim and the Horim and the Zamzumim and the Avim and the Kaphtorim were all different families or groups or tribes of giants that inhabited, a lot of people don't never think of this. In fact, they don't even know it. That inhabited the land of Canaan that God had promised to Abraham, then Isaac, then Jacob. And now here we go to the descendants, the 12 tribes. And that that land was filled with giants. And they are named here in Deuteronomy chapter 2. They were giants. Now, I know, I know today there are people who live their life like modernists with the scientific method, and they don't believe there were any giants. But there is a secular validation for the fact that there were giants in Canaan. There is a Roman, let me think a minute, there was a Roman historian named Suetonius who has documented that during the days of Jesus in Palestine, there was actually a museum that had giant human bones that people were puzzled and couldn't figure out in that day because there was no giants by then, that where all of these giant human bones, they were obviously human bones and not animal bones, and where did all of these giant human bones come from? And they had them in a museum because it, which was proof and validation that there used to be giants in the land of Canaan. And all of these giants lived there when God said, I'm going to give to you the land of Canaan or the land of Jennings uh, or Canaan. Uh, when, when he said, I'm going to give it to you, he, but it's possessed with giants and those giants are not going to give up their territory. You got to take it away from them. But I'm going to help you take it away from them, says the Lord. Amen. Now, all of those different names, I'm not going to go through all those names. I have went through those names, but I'm not doing it this morning because there's too much good stuff here in this service. To, you, you do that when nothing's happening and you just have to, you, so you go back and give what all the names mean. But uh, <laughs> y'all, are, y'all are too full of the Holy Ghost to have to waste our time doing that. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. But... but um, uh, most of those names mean something like terrible, fearful, horrifying. 
Uh, I did look up Zamzumim, and Zamzumim, they don't know what it means. But I kind of like the sound for preaching. It makes people interested. What the Zamzumim? That doesn't work very well, does it? That's probably not a good idea. Don't mimic that. Zamzumim. Uh, but I did find one place that it said that Zamzumim, the best they could tell, is one who eats noisily. I know some Zamzumims. I'm thinking right now of a preacher that is a great preacher. When I eat with him, I have to put a bag over my head. Wear a mask. Put earplugs in. I want to say, talk, then eat, then talk, then eat, but he doesn't. In fact, I'm thinking of two of them. I ate with two preachers yesterday, but it wasn't them. <laughs> Amen. It wasn't them. It was... These guys are a long ways from here. All right, moving right along. Those that eat noisily. You could preach about that. I don't know what, but you could probably <laughs> figure something out to preach about that. And so there's all these giants um, that have to be faced. And, or you can live wandering around out in the desert the rest of your life, and a church can live wandering around out in the desert the rest of its life. That's true. Or they can say, God gave us this land. God sent me here. God gave us this land. We're not all here by accident. God made me a part of this church, and we are going to accomplish the spiritual dominion that God called this church to accomplish in the town in which God has placed us. Can you say amen? Amen. And so that's the challenge. That's the challenge. That's what I'm preaching about this morning. Amen. If you're unsaved, I'm not preaching to you directly, so I'm going to preach to you for a minute. Before you leave this place, come to this altar and repent of your sins and get baptized in Jesus' name and get filled with the Holy Ghost or you're going to go to hell. Okay. So don't want to leave the sinners out. Don't go to hell. Amen. Come on. Join us. Amen. So, but in the meantime, I'm thinking about this church and how many sinners get saved when a church really begins to break through on higher levels and steps and dimensions. How God moves and does things and, uh, and accomplishes things. And uh, you say, well, other churches in town, they grow. They don't face any demonic things. Well, I, I, I get that. I get that. Are they truly apostolic? Right. If they're not truly apostolic, then that's not a comparison for you. Amen. Right. An apostolic church that's a truly apostolic church overcomes things that, that other churches can ignore because they're under the bondage of them anyway. All right. 
Amen. But we're not living our life that way. We're not conceding ground. We are not making adroit compromises with the devil that will leave you alone there if you'll leave us alone here. No, we're coming after the whole enchilada. We're coming after the whole thing. We want everybody in this town to be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. 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 And so there are some characteristics of these giants that, um, that uh, you've got to understand. One of those characteristics is you can never bluff a giant. You can never bluff a giant. When, when David was standing in front of Goliath, who was one of what, I would call the late giants. When David stand in front of Goliath, if David thought he could bluff him, you can listen to what Goliath said and you can tell Goliath was not intimidated. Because when you look in the Bible, you'll find that giants, you know, when you and I think of big, tall people, we think of them as being kind of usually oafish, kind of like, the, you know, they're, a lot of times their jaws too big. They're a little bit not, and they're kind of when they when they walk, they're kind of like, you know. But that's not the way real giants were. Real giants were, and and I'm not going to take time to validate all this, but I could. Real giants were extremely agile and athletic. As warriors, giants were incredibly effective, not only because of their size and strength. Uh, as you know, if you've read your Bible, numerous giants had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. Think about that. So when you shake hands with a giant, not only is his hand three times as big as yours, he has an extra finger out here, and he could just crush your little nice, soft, pink, baby hand, I mean, without any problem, he could just do it to any of us. That's intimidating. Can't even shake his hand. And, and six toes, think of the, what that means to a person's balance and lateral movement and, and, and the ability to stand with their feet positioned right. You know, everything has to do with, with fighting. Much of it has to do, where are my feet? A lot, a lot of what has to do with all athletic endeavors is, do, can you keep your feet in the right place? I mean, it may be shooting a basketball, but a lot of whether it's effective is where were your feet when you shot the basketball? Or if you're defending against somebody, a lot of the effectiveness is, are you keeping your feet in the right place? And so when you've got six toes and your foot's that long, it's a big deal. It's a big foot. And these giants, they were, they were, they were big. And We'll see here in another hour or two, one of them had a bed that was 13 or 14 feet long. The bed that he slept in was, they took his bed and put it in a museum. It's in the Bible. 
The Bible says that. That's not Suetonius. That's the Bible. I'll read it to you another hour or two and, and, or less. And how high is this ceiling? It's not very high. What, 10 feet? Maybe. Does anybody in the building know? Huh? About 10. So, so they were about 10. So think about that. So here I am. That makes me feel like I don't need a diet. <laughs> here I am, six foot tall, or I was a few decades ago. <laughs> six foot tall. So, and here he is. So I'm maybe coming to his way. So I hit him. And he says, oh, my knee. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's an issue. I mean, to fight one of these guys, you can see why all of Saul's army was intimidated by Goliath who came out. And his voice, the the voice box must have been as big as that EV speaker there. And uh, and the lungs and the... I'm not sure that was a good imitation, but I'm trying. And... This, this, I mean, we're having a good time with it, but this is real stuff. And, and, uh, and they're facing this. They're going to try to overcome this. It's no wonder those 10 guys were intimidated and said we could never build this new church over there on that nine acres. Look at the size of this giant. We went, I'm not going out there. Even David's brothers looked at him and said, you naughty boy, we know the naughtiness of your heart. Shut your mouth. You're trying to get us to jump off a cliff. And David said, what? Is there not a cause? And so you and I have a cause. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so this, um, so what was I talking about? Giants? So what's something else I can say about giants here? Uh, Let me think a minute before I move on. Giants. Okay, here's an interesting fact about giants. You never find in any history book outside of the Bible, nor in the Bible, do you ever find a history of giants anywhere except in the land that God promised his people. You don't find giants in history books. You don't find any giants in the Bible in any land except the land that God promised his people. Now, I'm sure that just happened by circumstance, which means I'm sure it didn't. And that these giants were in that land because the devil heard the secret whispered in heaven that God's going to give the land of Canaan to his people. And so all of the giants coalesced. Giants were freaks. They all coalesced in the land that God gave to his people. To oppose. There's no history of giants in Egypt where they were. There's no history of giants in Mesopotamia where Abraham came from. 
There's no history in the, in the list of the nations and of the empires from Egypt and to Babylon and to Medo-Persia and to, and to Greece and to Rome. And to, there's no giants, in, but there's giants in the land where God's people are directed by God. He says, I'm going to give you, this is your promised land, and it's filled with giants. Think about that. So other people in your town, they just go along and everything's normal. But when you start doing something for God, everything gets squirrely. But the land that's been promised to you has not been promised to them, and therefore they don't have to contend with what you have to contend with. But when you pull it down, everything comes down and revival comes rolling in. Amen. Amen. And so, and so, I need to move on, but I don't want to miss anything on giants. I'm trying to think here. Um, if there's anything else on giants that I need to say, there is, but I got to think of what it is. It's not in my mind right now, but it'll be there in a minute. There's little animals running around up there to all the files trying to find the giant file. Get it. Um, here's one. He just brought it to me. Here's one. You never find one single giant in the Bible that's on the Lord's side. Not one. There's no giants with the good guys. And every giant that you find is opposed to God's people. They're not neutral. They're not neutral. And they don't intend to be beat. And they don't intend to give up. But they're going to be beat and they are going to lose their territory to those who have faith enough to say, we're walking in and you're not going to intimidate us. We're coming, we're coming, we're coming. Amen. They're never on the Lord's side. Oh man, there's a lot of stuff about giants that's in my mind right now. But it, but it would mean another hour and I know that you're already worried. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know what some of you are going to say when you get home said, I... I don't know if I go back tonight or not. The guy's nuts. So, so Moses said, he wrote the book of Deuteronomy. Um, he said, then we turned and went up the way to Bashan and Og, Og. Everybody said Og. Og, he was the king of Bashan. And he came out against us, he and all his people, to battle. Og. Og, Og. 
Og was a giant. And when he came out, I love what Moses said. He said, and we took all his cities. He said he had 60 cities. Let me just read it. Here's his description of the cities. He said, the, so the Lord our God delivered into our hands Og, also the king of Bashan, and all his people, and we smote him until none was left to him remaining. And we took all of his cities at that time. There was not a city which we took not from them. Three score cities, that's 60, all the region of Argob, the kingdom of Og in Bashan. All these cities were fenced with high walls and gates and bars beside unwalled towns a great many and we utterly pulled them down we utterly destroyed them and then he goes on to say for only Og king of Bashan remained of the remnant of the giants this was the last of the giants of Moses time Behold, his bedstead was a bedstead of iron. Is it not in Rabbath of the children of Ammon? Nine cubits was the length thereof, which is probably about close to 14 feet long. His bed was 14 feet long. And four cubits the breadth of it, which would be about six or seven feet wide. After There was a single bed. After the cubit of a man. Now your California king bed is not seven feet wide, and I measured mine. It's about seven feet long. So this guy's was twice as long, and his toes still hung off the end of the bed. Maybe. I don't know that part. And so, I mean, I mean, just think about that. That's what they had to overcome. And doesn't 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 or 4 say, all of these things are given to us as an example. Yes, sir. Yes. So. So. Now, my mama was born in Louisiana and left Louisiana. This will let you know the many decade statement was correct. Um, and left Louisiana in the 19, late 1920s. My grandma was a second grade school teacher here in the 1920s, and she got the Holy Ghost and became an evangelist in northern Louisiana, up around Shreveport and Vivian and little old town named Cotton Valley. Y'all never heard of Cotton Valley, but anyway, Cotton Valley. I went to Cotton Valley 60 years later, 50 years later, and said, I walked in, Cotton Valley is not very big. There was two stores, one old one, one new one. I went in the old one, this is like 50 years after my folks left, 1980, around there, 70, I don't know, whatever, doesn't matter. And um, um, I walked into this store and this old guy was there. I said, hi, he said, hi. But he didn't say hi very energetic. He just said hi. And uh, I said, I, I'm, I'm just curious. I said, my mom and her sister 
used to live here 40, 50 years ago. And um, they're old now, but uh, they lived here. And their mom was a second grade school teacher and became an evangelist when she became Pentecostal. And the old guy didn't even hesitate. He said, Lois and Vera. Almost fell over. That's the name of my aunt, and Vera is my, my mother. I said, yeah, how'd you know? Went to high school with him. I thought, well, man, you ought to be excited about it, but he wasn't. And he said, I said, well, man, I got to get a postcard here. Sell me a postcard and send it home. I ain't got no postcards. I said, you don't have no postcards? He said, no. I said, well, does the, I'll get one at the next store over here. He said, no postcards in Cotton Valley. I'm like, I am absolutely at the end of the world. And, and, uh, and, and, and there wasn't any. But anyway, so, so you know, I feel kind of at home today. I'm in Louisiana. And... Uh, What was the reason I told that? <laughs> oh, yeah, to relate with the people. That's what it was. <laughs> Just kidding. So um, she moved to California, and she was 27 before she got married. I said, Mom, why did you wait till you was 27? She said, because there wasn't any boys that really lived for God, and I wasn't going to marry some carnal young man and live the rest of my life in misery. So I thought, man, I, way to go, mama. I'm proud of you. I never knew that. And so um, my dad was 41 when I was born and my mom was 36. They say people born when people are older sometimes have mental problems and now you're agreeing. And, <laughs> and so... Um, So anyway, uh, I preached all over the country, and then I went back home to start a church in Sacramento, California. And um, at the time, I was 34 years old, and I said, God, you got to help me. I got one shot at this, and I've got some things I think you gave me that I'm going to try out here. And it was a little group of people, I think nine people voted for me that were in the little, in Sacramento. There was nine people. They said, we want a pastor. And uh, they barely voted me in. Smart people. And three of them left within two weeks. I lost 33% of my congregation in 14 days. And... <clears throat> I said, that's good. That's good. I don't care. We're, if, 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 if this works, and that's a cap to California. Jennings that have never been broken. And they don't intend to be broken. And so we prayed and, and started doing everything we could. 
and God began to bless. And uh, most of my friends thought I was crazy. And I said, no, no, this will work. This will work. Stay with me here. This will work. But the, the thing that made it work was the church, when it began to grow, and there was 15 or 20 of them, and, and uh, uh, they bought in. And we had a building that had seats in it, but there was no seats in the seats, no people. And so, and so I would get to preaching. It's going to be all right, folks. <laughs> hey, you're going to mess up my sermon. <laughs> Amen. And so I'd get to preaching, and there wasn't nobody to preach to except those few little old, and some of them couldn't screw a nut on a bolt. And I mean, I mean, it was like, I mean, it was like, oh my God, this is like, how did I ever get into this? This is fun, but I'm dying. And so I'd preach the empty pews as though they were full. We're so glad you're here tonight. I mean, people just thought I was crazy, but I wasn't far from it at that time. I mean, I'm like, is this ever going to work or not? And, 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 and if a real person, oh, we're glad you're here tonight. God bless you, sir. I'd go around and shake hands and so forth. And when I saw a real visitor, oh, my God. We're so glad you're here. Oh, oh don't ever leave again. Oh, God. I'm... <laughs> but they started getting the Holy Ghost. And you know how it works. You've been around. You, you know how God does. You don't know who's going to get the Holy Ghost. Some of them you think are going to be the best. They don't last three weeks. And some of them that you think, man, this is a waste. This is a, it's going to be a drag for the next 10 years. They turn out to be the most powerful people. Don't start judging people. You don't know what God's going to do with them. You just throw out the net and the fish come in. But you, can't, you cannot look at that fish and know what kind of disciple of Jesus Christ that person's going to be. They can blow your mind. Oh, let's clap our hands and praise him for what he's done for you and I to bring us this far. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, 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 amen. Amen. And so it continued to grow and long story. To make a long story longer, uh, we will leave a lot of stuff out, but finally we had to build a new building. The other building was full, and by that time we were running, well, I don't know, four or five hundred. And we were going to build on the corner. We built, we bought ten acres for sixty-five thousand dollars. This is back. I mean, I drove for hours through that city, saying, "God, I've only got one chance, and I got to find the right place." And I found a place. I drove by it after many, many hours, and God said, that corner right there is it. It was a pasture. It had never been, it was native soil. It had never been anything. And so I went and we bought it, $65,000. Uh, just the other day, oh, no, well, some of it was a few years ago. The other was just in the last couple of years. We sold uh, we sold that. We sold half of that 10 acres. 
Then we sold the other half of it and that we bought for $65,000 and we sold it for $4.6 million. Hey, the devil says you can't do it. You don't listen to the devil. We're working for somebody that knows how to do it. Amen. So, so we're, we're going to build on the corner and we're in revival and I've already paid $100,000 to get the plans made for the new building. It would seat about 16 or 1300, whatever it was. And, uh, and we're getting ready to do it. And we're in revival one night. And, and the Holy Ghost, as sure as I'm standing here, said, that's not going to be big enough. And the evangelist turned around to me and said, you know, that, that, I know we've done a lot of work on this building. He'd been there for weeks already. And he said, but that building, we'd already had groundbreaking. He said, that building's not going to be big enough. So I got up. I mean, this is a good church. I got up and I said, folks, I personally have negotiated to get the architects to draw this church that won't be right on any other piece of property. And we've already spent $100,000. And we're going to waste that $100,000 if we don't build there. But if you believe this is a man of God and that he's right, like I believe he's right, because the Holy Ghost don't make any mistakes, then we're going to waste the $100,000. And I looked at the evangelist. I said, so where do we go? This really happened. And he didn't say a word. He just pointed south. I left the church, went to the first piece of property south of us, which was another 10 acres that was not for sale, looked on the county record. Here it would be the parish record and found who owned it, told him we wanted to buy it. He said, I'll sell it to you for $400,000. I said, it's sold. I went back and told the church. This was over a few days. I went back and told the church. I said, we can buy that for $400,000. We'll build the new sanctuary there. We already have this another five or 10 acres next to it. And then we'll have uh, whatever it was, 25 acres. And we're going to buy that property and do it. They raised $400,000. I mean, they just said, we're doing this. I want to tell you, when a group of people makes up their mind, we're any two or three, well, you start multiplying that. And they're committed. And they know there's nothing more important in their life than that church. And if you don't believe that, you, you got your, your head's a little squirrely. You need to get your head screwed on straight. Because there's nothing more important in my life and your life than this church. There's not, this is the only thing that has eternal value. Nothing else has eternal value. Your money ain't going to mean nothing. They, they don't have Brinks trucks and funerals. So they're not going to take it. You're not going to take it with you. There's, it's not, it's not going to happen. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is the only thing that matters. And so in a city where men had been fearful to build, I'd preach revivals in that city when I was younger. I knew what I was talking about. The men who, who had faith, they were powerful men, wonderful men of God, but they didn't have faith to build. There was a demon against building in that city. And it was, it was, like, it was like walking through hell to build both the buildings that we built there. And so we, we, we got new plans for a 96,000-square-foot building, and 
it was a tilt up which cost 20% more, but it'll be there. The Antichrist can have it during the tribulation. It'll still be there. And as far as I'm concerned, because I'm not going to be here in the tribulation. I mean, I don't know about you folks, but I ain't going through it. Just <laughs> thought I'd toss that in there. <laughs> Amen. So if you say, well, I believe we're going through the tribulation. Well, my response is, well, be it to you according to your faith. <laughs> but my faith is I ain't going. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so we started building the building. We got all through with it. It ended up, of course, costing more than we thought it would cost. And it cost altogether, it cost somewhere between 12 and $15 million to build the building. Hey, I'm just a poor grape-cutting boy. We're just doing the best we can. There are no rich people in our church. How are we going to pay for this thing? The payment was $64,000 a month before you turn the lights on or pay any of the employees or before the preacher takes a nickel. You've got to have $64,000 every month at the first of the month to pay the payment. We're talking about California. You had It was over a million dollars just in permits and fees before we could ever start the thing. It was like nuts, and it's in the state capital, which makes it even worse and and oh man, oh man, there's some goofy things. Um, I mean, before I got through, I came within a hair of backsliding a half a dozen times. <laughs> Not really, but, but well, really in one way of getting in a fight with contractors and getting in a fight with city officials and getting in a fight with county officials and oh my God, I mean, you talk about giant devils and it was like, hell on earth going through all of that to get this thing completed. And at one point, the air conditioning guy wouldn't do his job, and the air conditioning was about a quarter million dollars, and he wouldn't do his job. And, and, and we sat down, and he was like one of these weightlifter bodybuilding dudes. And, and we sat down, and they said, what do you want to do? I said, I want that guy to do what he's supposed to do, and you're not doing your job, and you know you're not doing your job. And if you tell me you are, you're lying. And I thought, now, if he wants to fight me, it's going to be a bad deal, but I'll have to find a two-before. But I ain't letting this devil intimidate me. I got old ladies that have a third-grade education that's putting in $3 a week, and I'm responsible to see that that money's not wasted. And you're not going to, I told them, I said, you're not going to sit here. I'm responsible to them. You're not going to sit here and take their money and not do your job. You're going to do your job. I don't know if I was right or wrong. I don't know if I was saved or unsaved. I just knew there's a giant there, and I got to get him down one way or another. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. They finally went to arbitration, and we're sitting in front of a committee, and, and that was a subcontractor. The general contractor was taking his side, and they were lying like a dog. I had the contract in my hand. So, you know, I prayed the night before. I said, God, I'm in a dilemma. I, I don't... I'm going to get in a fight tomorrow, God. God, I mean a fist fight. You hear me? I said, if you don't do something, because I don't know any other way, I'm at the end of my rope. I've negotiated. I've smiled. I've laughed. I've manipulated. I've, it's done, and I am not backing up. We went into the meeting. It started. I had two or three saints there, which made it worse. They're going to see me slugging it out. <laughs> I'm telling you the God's truth. 
Finally, I thought, I, got, I can't, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't resolve it. Finally, I wrote on a bag, a paper, brown paper sack. I wrote on a paper sack, and I said, we will put so many tons of air conditioning in the Rock Church according to accepted industry standards for this price. And then I drew a line on the bag for them to sign. I drew another line, and I signed it. And I stood up, and I slid the brown paper bag out in front of them. And I looked at the main general contractor guy, and I said, sign that. He looked at it. He said, I'm not signing that. Okay? You're going to sign that. And it got real quiet. And the people from my church turned white, light, and their mouth went to cotton. And I thought, this is it. I said, hey, you're going to sign it. You take that pen and you sign that now. I really thought before God, we're going to go outside and me and him are going to have a fist fight. And bless God, I ain't losing. If I'm going to hell over a fist fight, I'm going to go winning. I mean, but inside, I think God was kind of proud of me. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> and he said, I'm not. So I said, yeah, you're signing it. You just got a little time here. You pick that pin up and you sign that. I mean, it was so uncouth. It was so non-professional. And he, and he looked at me, and he kind of broke, and he, and he whined. And he whined, and he said, this is coercion. I said, I don't care what it is. Get the pen and sign it. And it blew my mind. He picked up the pen and signed it. <laughs> and I'm like, I couldn't believe he signed it. I took the paper bag. I said, I'll send you a copy. The rest of you, I will see you down the road. Goodbye. And walked out and left them all there. But I had the contract that had, but I'm, I'm just talking about, you know, from their perspective, it may have been, it's a crazy preacher. From my perspective, it's another giant. And I've got people waiting to have church in this building. And I can't hold this money together forever that's getting this done. And if I go any further, I'm going to be in real deep trouble. And I've got the pressure to make this happen. Amen. But, you, but, but when, you, when you go, when you go and God goes with you, it's going to work. It's going to happen. It's, God's going to give you the grace and the strength to get it done. Bam. And we never missed one of those $64,000 a month payments. By the time we got the building through, all my credit cards were maxed out. All the miles, my son-in-law's credit cards were maxed out. All the secretaries that worked at the church's credit cards were maxed out. <laughs> but they were committed. They would come in and they'd say, Brother Wilson, I got a few hundred dollars left on my credit card. You need it to finish this trial. I said, oh, yeah, 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 thank you. We need it. You say, Brother Wilson, you guys were out on the edge. It's California. It's capital of the state. It's an unbroken spiritual power. I don't, I'm not a rich man, but I'm called of God, and we're going to break this thing. 
And God has seen us through. Now, we don't owe $68,000 or $64,000 a month anymore. We only owe about $40,000 a month now. I mean, it's a piece of cake. Whew. The pressure's off. <laughs> Amen. And we got all of our credit cards paid off. And we never left any bills unpaid. And we left no contractors unpaid. And we paid the monthly payment. And we got banks that work with us and want to refinance. They like us because we pay our bills. And we haven't left anything undone out there on the edges. I'm not talking about getting it done by lying and cheating and stealing and everything else. I'm talking about God's going to empower this church to do what needs to be done and give the souls to this church that he's promised to it. Would you stand up with me and let's clap our hands right now in victory and believe God that we're going to get what we've asked for, that God's going to help us to get there in Jesus' name. Amen. And accomplish what needs to be accomplished. Oh, come on. Let's praise him. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Oh, he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Amen, 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 amen. Oh, my Lord. Now, I don't know how you usually close your services, but, uh, and this is going to, this is, this is no trick. If you're, a, if, if you're a guest here today, come with us. Could we all just come around the front for just a, a little brief time and stand here together? Uh, there's no tricks. If you're a guest, come with us. We're not going to manipulate you. You just, we just want you to be a part of what God's doing here today. Amen. And, and amen, and join us in our faith that God's going to do what he said he would do. Amen. Now, thank you for coming up here. Move right up close so everybody can, everybody can get in. Now, uh, now let me just, uh, just give me about three more minutes or so. I'm, I'm done. And thank you for being so gracious today to walk with me through all this. Now, I know there's other churches in Louisiana, and I know there's stuff people's got to do, and I know there's all that. But you and I are, are called here. I'm called here for this morning Amen. and tonight. Amen. And I may be called here other times before Amen. it's over. Who knows? Right. But because... Because we found out in our church, there's people that, there's preachers that God has come to our church that we count as part of our church. But they pastor in other states. They pastor, but, but, but they, they're part of our church. They, they get it. And God's anointed them. They come into that church and man, alive. Sometimes they just, they just get it. They just get it. So, so, but you're a part of this church. This is home. And with that goes the responsibility, and you know this, the responsibility to make this church a powerhouse in this town. So we can't focus on all the other churches. We can't focus on all this other stuff. We focus on the main thing I'm doing in this city in my life is the work of God. I do it with my tithes. I do it with my offerings. If you don't, if you don't pay your tithes... I'm not mad at you. I don't even know if you do or you don't. I'm just saying you just don't get it. There's something you you need to get it. You you need you need to get it. And 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 offerings and 
faithfulness. Okay, but we, that's not all we do. We support it with our spirituality. We support it with our prayers. We support it with our faithfulness to service. Amen. I mean, if you're hit and miss here this morning, I don't know you, so don't feel like I'm picking on you. If you hit and miss and you come one Sunday morning, you don't the next or Sunday night or you miss Tuesday night or you're too tired or you got a toe ache or whatever it may happen, you got you to gotta cut that out. You got to say, no, I'm in. I'm in. Now, God's doing great things now in Sacramento, and the church is blowing and going, and I'm not even the pastor anymore. They got a better pastor. My son-in-law's been pastoring it for, I don't know, 15 years, while I just run around and have fun with people like you and then go home and help a little bit, you know, not much, but help a little bit. And, and it's blowing and going. it's broke over and in the middle of all that the same paradigm is there for every apostolic church to break the strongholds in the city to break through and become this doesn't mean everybody in the city is going to be in your church it means that you become the spiritual dominant power and when people get hungry for God, they find their way to First, to First Pentecostal Church. When they get hungry for God, God gives them direction and they come here. They don't go to the backslid churches that still call themselves apostolic but don't preach the truth and don't live right and don't have holiness. That God, that, they come here because when this church does everything God wants them to, it becomes the body that will receive them and love them and nurture them and bring them to salvation. Amen, amen, amen. And so all of the things that are important, it all starts with the tight-knit commitment of God's people. This is what did it in Sacramento. It's not just leadership. You've got to have leadership, but you've got to have followership. And it's got to be followership. And all of my friends used to say behind my back, how does he get people to be so loyal? Well, the first thing is, is I'm loyal to them. And they know I'm going to be standing their guard over their kids and their grandkids and that I'm not compromising and that I'm going to feed them the bread of life and that we're going to, and I would tell them, if you'll go with me, we will go places people are not going these days and your kids will go places that they've never been. But you got church, church, look at me. We've got to have you. We've got to have you on board. We've got to have you up front. Now, God's doing great things, and there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in the church there, and, the, and it continues to grow, and there's branch works all over the place, and all kinds of things are happening, but all of, and works around the world. But all of that started with me getting on my knees more than once in front of the whole church and saying, folks, please, begging them, pleading with them, please follow me. Please. They've got relatives that are in Pentecost that are saying, he's crazy. You don't want to go where he's going. That won't work. So they're, they hear all of this tripe from their relatives out there, who some of who are preachers. And, and I have to put up with all that junk. And, and, but I'm on my knees saying, please, don't listen to your relatives. Don't listen to anybody. They've never been here. Do we want to live the rest of our life going around and around this mountain like they are? Or do we want to step through and break out into glory and power and joy and strength? 
Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? Oh, come on. Let's love him again. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Anything? Anything's fine. Come on. Let's give it. Let's let the water of the Spirit touch us a little bit this morning. Amen. We've heard the word. Let's let the water of the Spirit. Come on. Come on. His promise to me. Uh, come on. Let's let the Spirit move a little bit on us. Groundbreaking phase. Where, where, I don't know. I don't know. We he and I haven't talked about all that, but I'm. But I know. I sense. I know. I know where you're going by faith, and 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 before you ever get there, do you have a building fund? Yeah. Okay. Good. How do you do your building fund? You just contribute. Just, yeah. But there's no special no. time or anything. That'll work. What we did is we set up a Sunday night, the first Sunday of every month, but you don't have to do this. I mean, your pastor knows what to do. He don't need me. But this is how we did it. We set it up, but I'm only telling you that to tell the next part. And we'd have a special preacher come in every first Sunday of the month and challenge us about the work. Uh, when we started, we did it Sunday morning, and then later we did it Sunday night. So we'd get, I'd get friends of mine that I knew had faith and knew was anointed to God and knew to live the life. They would come in and they would preach and challenge us. I asked one of them to come. I said, Brother Clark, can you come a um, couple months away on the first Sunday or whatever month it was? And I told him what we were doing. He said, yeah, I can come. He came that Sunday morning. He... Uh, he barely got there in time for church. He had to fly in from Southern California. He flew in, came to church, had service, introduced him. He got up. I know this guy all my life. I mean, for many years, and a wonderful guy. He got up and he said, I'm going to preach this morning. And then I'm leaving. And he said, I can't wait to get on the plane to get out of here. And he wasn't laughing. And I thought, what is this? He said, and here's why. 
because God told me that your pastor is wrong. And God told me where he's wrong. Your pastor is thinking about you and trying not to put too much on you. And so he's soft-pedaling your monthly giving because he's conscious of not asking too much from you. And he said, I'm just telling you that God is displeased with your pastor. And he's displeased with you. And he wasn't laughing. And he said, do you think God's looking at you making sacrifices as being sacrifices after Calvary? God wants you to know that he expects you to do everything that is necessary. And that you driving a new car is not the main thing. Or that you having stuff is not the main thing. God's main thing is this church and his kingdom. And unless your pastor and you get this straightened out, what you're trying to do is never going to work. And he picked up his Bible. And he went to the airport and got on the plane and flew out. <laughs> I didn't really know what to do. I just said, well, saints, if that's God, you and me got some changing to do. I had no idea he's going to say all that. But God's perspective I'm thinking of all the human stuff. Yeah, but I know how many kids he's got. Or I know how, I know how, I don't know. That's my perspective. God was saying, no, you get my perspective. If you want to break this city, if you want to become the dominant spiritual power, if you want this church to rise up until it's known throughout this city, which is now two and a half million people, if you want, you, you could walk anywhere in that town almost, you say, have you heard of the Rock Church? They say, oh, yeah, we heard of the Rock Church. Yeah, out there in Elk Grove. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not, that's not marketing. I mean, we don't even have a brochure. We have never even had a decent brochure to pass out. I'm embarrassed. And our church sign's about this big right now. We didn't even have a church sign for years. I mean, it's pathetic the way we operated. But when God's in it, they come. They come. They come. Oh, let's sing it again with a little bit of gusto that says we can do this in Jesus' name. I'm claiming my promise. God has promised to me. Oh, yes. Stand in my ground is what I believe. Oh, yeah. Stop it, blessings on the way. Claiming my promise today. Oh, yeah. Claiming my promise. God has promised to me. Stand in my ground is what I believe. The devil can't stop it, blessings on the way. Claiming 
time. Come on, sing it, sing it, sing it. thing before we go. Now, some of you can't do what you want to do because of issues you have to deal with. You don't have a job, or your job doesn't pay much money, or, or your kids are sick, or you got a physical problem, or you got something else. So God, so we got to tell God, God, we got to clear up some of this stuff so we're able to do what you want us to do. God, you got to bless me. You got to help me here. And then we make the commitment. God, if you'll help me, I'll I'll do it, God. If you'll you'll just help me, God. So I want you to think of what that is. We're going to sing this again, and I want you to say, God, clear that blockage out. God, blow that out of my life. God, make a clear stream of blessing come through me that I can bless the kingdom of God. Put your blessing upon me. Bless me. Come on. Let's sing it together. Naming my promise. Oh, yeah. Let's love him, let's love him, let's love him, let's love him, let's love him. 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 Let